Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Shauna McVeigh. Shauna is the program coordinator for the State of Delaware Office of Animal Welfare. She is a lifelong animal advocate. She was a newspaper reporter and managing editor and then worked for the Delaware General Assembly before she turned her passion into a career. She came to the Office of Animal Welfare to help curb pet overpopulation and promote animal welfare programs to the public. She coordinates with more than 40 veterinary practices and 30 animal rescues throughout Delaware on a regular basis to advance animal welfare. She wishes she could explain to her nine-year-old Kane Corso Rescue, Teramisu, that she only leaves home during the week to work for other animals. Shauna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Stacey. I'm glad to be here. So how did you get started in animal welfare and helping community cats? I grew up on land surrounded by all kinds of animals. My two sisters and I always tried to help, you know, baby birds, baby rabbits, baby mice growing up. And after I was worked as a journalist and then went to the Delaware General Assembly, I was one of a handful of people that were really crazy about animals there. And my director now, Hetty Brown, who is the executive director of the Delaware Office of Animal Welfare. She worked for the Humane Society of the United States as the Delaware State Director. That's where I met her. Uh, we always would talk about animals and try to, I would try to help her with her bills. And when this job opening came up, basically the Delaware General Assembly, my former bosses created the Office of Animal Welfare in 2013. This job came up. I went for it and a big part of it is, well, it's the spay neuter program is what I run for the state of Delaware. And a big part of that is trying to get community cats spayed and neutered. So can you tell me in a little bit more detail, what does the program do and how does it operate helping community cats? Sure. The state spay-neuter program, it has two facets to it. On one side, it is for people with low incomes that are on certain types of public assistance, such as Medicaid or Social Security disability, who just need help getting their pets spayed and neutered. The other side of it, we work with more than 30 nonprofit animal rescues and all of the shelters in the state of Delaware to try to get animals that are under their care spayed and neutered as well. The way that it works, we are funded through a $3 surcharge on every rabies vaccination given to dogs and cats in Delaware. And that money goes into a big pot. And then uh, members of the public with low incomes, they apply to the program. And then the nonprofits every quarter get uh, certain funding to use for spay neuter. So are the funds just allocated out to the uh, nonprofits based on their size or? It used to be, actually, it used to be run under the Delaware Department of Agriculture, and they just got an even allotment. um, In law, for the first two years of the program, it was written that 25% of that quarter's funding would go to the nonprofits, and every nonprofit got the same amount. It was 25% divided by however many rescues were involved in the program. We changed that last year. We met with all the different nonprofits, and we had a subcommittee meet to change it more to a grant process where every quarter they submit a request for funding to us, and we look at their past usage, we look at what projects they have coming up, and we allocate it that way. Can you tell me a little bit about how you perceive the situation for community cats in Delaware? 
Well, we definitely have a community cat crisis in Delaware. There are way more cats, uh, I think, as most places have, at least in our immediate area, than um, there need to be. Unfortunately, a lot of people call us all the time and they just they start feeding one cat. And then before you know it, there's five cats and then another litter. And we get the phone calls when there's 10 to 15 cats. So there are a lot of community cats all over Delaware. And then the do the shelters provide reporting information on their intakes to you? They do. They do. They have shelter statistics that they report every year at the end of the year. And since this program has started, do you see any any changes at all in their intake rates? You know, our program in 2000 started in 2006. It was created in 2006 and it launched in 2007 with a pilot got up and running in 2008. But then in 2010 in Delaware, we had a shelter standards law come into place uh, where it set a lot of different policies and procedures for handling of animals within the shelters, which was really great legislation. But we had one animal shelter at that time that handled animal control for all three counties in Delaware, and they decided not to do open intake for cats. So it's, it's a little bit of a a skewed number, we can't really tell because there are no shelters in Delaware that just have open intake for cats. So everybody's more of a scheduled admission or a limited admission facility? Yes. So then you are looking more at the tribal knowledge of the actual cats that are out there on the streets and those cats that are needing assistance. Yes. And we, we also try to go by spay and neuter numbers as well, seeing how many are going into the shelters and to um, and the spay neuter numbers have increased since our program has come about. Do you have any high volume spay neuter clinics in Delaware? We do have high volume spay neuter clinics. We have a couple. A couple of the shelters have have high volume spay neuter clinics. We have a really great organization. It's actually just over the Pennsylvania state line, but they operate throughout Delaware. They're called Forgotten Cats. They are dedicated to doing high volume TNR, trap, neuter, vaccinate, and return. We also have the spay neuter clinic, which is in Dover, Delaware. They do dogs and cats, but they are high volume as well. That's all they do. We have a couple different kind of mom and pop shops that, that do it as well. Do you feel that you have enough spay-neuter capacity set up and in place in Delaware to cover the need and the demand? We are definitely lacking resources in our bottom county, Sussex County. We have a concentration of resources for high-volume spay-neuter in Newcastle County, a little bit in Kent County, but Sussex County needs more veterinary resources. And we are working to try to find ways to address that problem. There are some organizations out there that are working to try to address it as well. I find that very interesting that you are getting your funding from a $3 surcharge on the rabies vaccinations. Was that hard to get passed through? I I don't think it was because the spay and neuter program, when it was written into legislation, it was very collaborative. It's it's always been collaborative along the way. They had the shelter directors and they also had the Delaware Veterinary Medical Association come on board as well with that legislation. So there was a good partnership there to get that pushed through. Yes. Would you be able to share with us the the numbers of like annually, how much money this program's able to give out for spay neuter? We take in approximately $300,000 a year through the $3 rabies surcharge, and we use almost all of it. And we're trying to make sure that all of it does get used. We've, we've changed some things to try to loosen up the barriers to the program, the barriers to access, so more people will participate and also make sure that the money that are given to nonprofits is, is used more effectively as well, because we want all those dollars used. And we're looking at ways to try to bring in more funding as well. How does um, animal control fit into this picture? 
It's really interesting. Animal control just came to us on January 1st. We actually took over animal cruelty on September 15th of 2015. And on January 1st of this year, we launched animal control. We have it statewide. It's called Delaware Animal Services. They are one of the Office of Animal Welfare's unit. They are the only animal law enforcement unit that Delaware has ever had. So, and one of the things that animal control is really doing is when we're all about working through compassion and trying to help people. If there's a call out there and someone goes out for an animal cruelty case or an animal control case and someone needs help with cats, our officers will try to give them resources as far as rescues that they can go to to help with getting the cat spayed or neutered or flea and tick medication or if they need food or they might refer them to shelters or they'll refer them to the spay and neuter program. Always refer to the spay and neuter program if they qualify for the spay and neuter program. Because that's also under our realm we can really work together to try to address some of these problems. And and we're new, but we really think that this proactive approach will, will help put a big dent in this issue going forward. But it sounds like you may still have some funding issue questions and, you know, some capacity questions too. There, I mean, there definitely is a need for more veterinary services and a need for funding, like a lot of places. And that's one thing that that we're working on. Last year in 2015, our office helped Forgotten Cats obtain a $200,000 grant through PetSmart Charities to do high volume trap neuter return of community cats. This year, our organization just helped another nonprofit organization obtain a $100,000 grant to do the same down in Sussex County. Oh, that's awesome. That's really great. I mean, the targeted spay-neuter projects are just such a huge bang for the buck, I would say. Yeah, we're going to keep looking for those resources. And and it's going to take work with all the different organizations around us and those that can put those veterinary resources where they need to be. And then we will try to identify funding to put those veterinary resources to work so that we can really work on those targeted trap-neuter return projects. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Flashlight tag was fun when you were a kid, but no one wants to play hide and seek with their trap. Find your trap's location quickly and safely, even when you visit it at night with the Reveal Wild application for Samsung Galaxy, HTC One, Sony, Xperia, and other Android phones. Or go to tinyurl.com forward slash reveal wild. So I want to take a little step back here and sort of go back to Shauna's story. This is sort of a public policy position, a bit away from like hands-on working with the animals. Why did you make that decision to go that route? I never realized that I could have a career in animal welfare. I just thought that working for animals was something that I did on my own time, either as a foster or a volunteer with um, a rescue or, you know, I'm talking about saving animals here or communicating animal rights on social media or with my friends or something like that. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely known as an animal person and maybe a crazy dog lady as well. You know, it just, it just never occurred to me. I, I'm a writer by trade. I went to school for English and art and went in as a journalist and then kind of in my mid twenties said, what do I, what do I do? And it, it turns out I still am a writer. <laughs> I want to be a writer, but also I decided when I was at the Delaware General Assembly that I needed to focus on a passion as a journalist. I learned a little about a lot of things and I did the same thing as the, as the Delaware General Assembly and it just fit my skill set working in kind of the administrative side. There's a lot of people that do a lot of really hard work on the ground when it comes to animal welfare. The animal rescues, they are out there pounding the pavement 24-7 trying to help animals, trying to trap cats or foster dogs or feed bottle babies or what have you. 
as anyone out there who's listening probably has experience with, but there's other of us that are trying to work on the administrative side and coordinate things to help make their jobs a little easier and get to the end result where it is making a better life for all animals. I think that's really important is being able to focus on the fact that we all have a place in this cause. We shouldn't feel like we have to be everything to everybody and that, you know, we can find a niche and really work hard and advocate in that one area and do the best that we can and we'll be extremely successful. Yes. I still do a little bit on the side here and there. <laughs> I just I just had a foster dog, an emergency foster dog that was supposed to be one week and it turned out to be a month. And that was a lot. <laughs> he, just, he destroyed some things. But we just got him adopted with the, through the rescue that I fostered for last Monday. So I took him to his new, his new dad. And uh, right now we're trying to figure out where to put a, a litter of kittens. <laughs> so we still do things here and there. But I think that I'm really lucky to have turned this into a career. A lot of people are doing it after hours or when they retire. And I was doing it after hours as well, but now I get to do it during the day. And then I get to go home and hang out with my dog. And then you still get a moment to release your sort of crazy (laughs) side out a little bit. Yes. Um, If you saw a stray cat on the street in Delaware, what would you do? I would do might be a little bit different than what other people would do. And I'm not sure if it's the best way, but I'd probably stalk it a little bit to see where it went um, from afar so I don't scare it and then come back and see if I can grab a trap and some really stinky tuna fish or something and set a trap out. And then I would take it to our local shelter partner, the Brandywine Valley SPCA, which is right down the street from where I work in Newcastle, Delaware. And I would get it spayed or neutered for free. They have a free community cat program four days a week. You can drop off your cat. But I have resources. I I work for the Office of Animal Welfare. We have some traps. I have resources to do that. But that's what I would do if I saw a stray cat. Now, if it had a tag or something like that, I'd, you know, contact the owner. So I would think your position might be a bit on the political side. So I would think you hang out with state representatives and other political figures. What's that like? I no longer do that as much, but I have a lot of them that are friends and especially old legislative aides and things like that because I worked in the legislature for for several years. There's a lot of people down there that really care about all kinds of different issues. We have a lot of legislators that care about animal issues. So we're lucky in Delaware. And Delaware is also a pretty small state. Everybody pretty much knows each other. But, you know, hanging out with legislators, they're they're regular people, too. It might not seem like it. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a good mix of of hard work and, and also some fun outside of work hours. They work extremely hard when they are in session. It's very crazy busy. I was a legislative aide, so I, you know, helped them complete their work and they need legislative aides for that. But it's, it's really one of the most interesting things about working in politics and working at legislative hall in particular through the Delaware General Assembly is that there's just, it's about issues. There's so many issues. And for people that are advocates or people that care about making the world a better place, or affecting positive change in their community. There's no shortage of time to do that down there at Legislative Hall. So knowing that their time is quite packed, and if you wanted to advocate for some change in animal welfare with community cats, how how would you approach a a legislator? I think that knowing, maybe having recommendations for a solution and finding other people that want to do what you are looking to do is really the best way of going about it. My director here is, you know, she's got great partnerships with a lot of the animal friendly legislators, but legislators, if, if you just talk to them and tell them what the problem is and what needs to be done, you know, in a respectful manner, a lot of times they might get yelled at. Um, 
and maybe, maybe not, if you're really angry about something, you know, you can let them know, but talk to them and tell them what needs to be done and maybe offer up some suggestions of how it can be done. And if legislation needs to be passed, let them know that you got to find also someone that is willing to work for your cause. Your legislator might have certain interests that they really want to work on, but then there's others that might be very passionate about animals. Find those legislators in your state. And even if you're not one of their constituents, reach out to them or find someone that is one of their constituents and get on the ground as well with finding like-minded citizens that want to want to do the same things you do and just work together. That's really what it takes. And understand that you might have an idea that might not be as feasible as getting passed as a law. You just got to be able to keep an open mind and work together with the legislators to see what can actually be done because they know how to pass bills when representatives, senators, they know what they're doing down there as far as lawmaking. If you know animals, get together with them and see how together you can work to have the outcome you're looking for. I want to ask you a few questions about working with the 40 veterinary practices. I'm assuming these are private veterinary practices. They are not actually. Uh, That does include the shelters that we have. We have six shelters in Delaware, well, five shelters now in Delaware, but the rest of them are pretty much private practice. Yes. And they work with you with the reduced pricing model or something like that? Yes. Yes. So when the state spay-neuter program was set up in 2006 and DVMA, the Delaware Veterinary Medical Association helped them, they all worked on a on a price that would work for everybody. So they actually have to sign up. That's not all of the veterinary practices in Delaware. Those are the ones that choose to be part of our program. So they do take a reduced rate. And then the um, money can go towards community cats? Yes, it can go towards community cats. Now, most of that is through the nonprofit side, but through the income eligible side, that's what we call the members of the public that qualify through receiving public assistance. As long as they receive public assistance and qualify, they can have up to three pets or animals spayed or neutered every fiscal year, which is June 30th through Uh, Sorry, July 1st through June 30th. So this Friday, I'm going to be getting a lot of calls with people that are, are ready for their next three animals. But that also covers community cats. That's interesting. We have what's called the Massachusetts Animal Fund uh, up here in New England, and they have a special side fund for hoarding situations or large colony situations to provide spay neuter for that sort of select crowd. And it's, you know, it's on an application basis. Um, And I'm not even aware if they have a specific limit, they might on the individual person. It's just, it's an interesting, the limiting on each household. I understand the reasoning behind it, but it's also, it's a really hard thing to, to sort of stomach when you're thinking there's five unspayed females in that house and you're only getting three of them, or you're only getting the male cat and two females. So you have to kind of wonder about what's going to happen next. Right. And that, that is definitely one of the issues that we face, we, we kind of call it the gap population. You know, we have the program that serves this group and the program that serves the nonprofits, but the pet limit, that's something we want to take a look at to see if we can expand it. We've just recently started talking about doing that. Um, we just took this program over two years ago. So we've revamped it and expanded it. Now we want to look at how to make it run more effectively. The, the three pet limit is written into legislation, but we could possibly do legislation to change that. We're just not really sure how exactly, because we also need to bring in more funding to make sure that that's sustainable. We, we want to make sure that community cats are taken care of. And we know that if you have you know 20 cats, three isn't going to go very far. Even if you have four cats, if you can only get three done, then that other one might get away somewhere. And if you have five and you can 
four females and one's a male, then you can only get three females done. What do you do? Well, I would say get the male too, but (laughs) (laughs) that's, I advocate that I ask, you know, what, what the makeup is. We try to get creative and help people see which of their cats, if they have more than the three pet limit. And then we also refer them to the high volume clinics, um, and the low, the low cost clinics that can offer it to them as well. And now this new community cat program through our shelter partner, we advocate that as well. So we try to get creative with it, but it's not, not a one-stop shop and it's not, it's not going to solve the issue on its own, which is why we're looking for funding elsewhere and looking for other partners elsewhere as well. Um, and when you're thinking about other funding, I mean, in some of the other programs that I'm familiar with, there's been a checkoff on a tax return. There's been a spay neuter license plate, and then there's been also a dog license surcharge. Are those any of the avenues you're thinking of? Or are you thinking more about private like support from a foundation or something like that? Right now, I know that we are looking toward grants and then as uh, making sure that that rabies surcharge is paid to bring in some extra funding there. But I think grants are probably one of the best ways to go right now. We do have an animal welfare license plate and it brings in some funding that can help with that gap. We have had two different spay days and we're getting ready to have another one in the fall where people who either who don't qualify for this spay neuter program can come in and get community cats and dogs, um, not community dogs, but you know, dogs and community cats spayed and neutered on those days. How can people find you? People can find us by going to animalservices.delaware.gov. That's G-O-V, animalservices.delaware.gov. And the phone number to call for animal control in Delaware is 302-255-4646. Shauna, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about what we've done to try to revamp things here in Delaware since we took over the spay-neuter program two years ago, if that's okay. Sure thing. Okay. So we've got a multi-pronged approach. We advocate for trap-neuter vaccinate return. We also have expanded and promoted the spay and neuter program. Last year, we started a marketing campaign for that program because it's really important to get the word out. We know it's underutilized. There are people out there that while we're spending almost all the money, we still have a little bit more. So we know there are people out there that don't know about the program and communicating to those people that this program is available is really important. We are at the end of the last year, we also convened a community cat coalition with representatives from not just cat rescues, but also birding groups, the Department of Natural Resources and others who all have a stake in the overpopulation of cats in Delaware. And it's all really about working together to find a path forward that works for everybody involved. That's wonderful. Sounds great. Sounds like things are really changing pretty fast uh, for the community cats in Delaware. Yeah. And one more thing. Sorry, I can't believe I forgot this. I organized this event and kicked it off. We were very proud of it. We recently hosted the first ever animal rescue summit in Delaware on May 19th. And we brought together more than 100 animal rescue, sorry, animal rescuers with regional and national experts, including Brian Cordes of Neighborhood Cats, who presented on targeted TNR. And the overall theme of the summit was really life-saving through collaboration. We kicked off the day with that message. That's fantastic. Shauna, thanks so much for being a guest on my show, and I look forward to having you on again in the future. Thank you so much, Stacey. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) 